Give it up, baby. I've studied all your moves. Yeah, study this! Good everybody and welcome to episode 4 of the Forbidden Technique podcast. I'm Silas Martin with The Fight Site, joined by Christian Reynolds and today we're going to be looking back at UFC 270, Francis Ngannou versus Cyril Garn. And Francis Ngannou retains his heavyweight championship by unanimous decision. Not something that I think many people were picking. Definitely, even if it's a result that people considered as possible, I don't think many people saw uh, the genesis of Division One Francis Ngannou coming out. Um, I think Cyril Garn made an okay account of himself in the early rounds, but definitely showed the lack of experience in some of the decision-making that he made down the line and some of the positions he was put in. So, Christian, what did you think about this fight? I thought it was a great wrestle clinic by Francis Ngannou. I, I felt like the fight started off leaning more towards Gan, getting his type of fight that he wanted. He was doing good, getting into the clinch, or staying all the way on the outside, making it hard for Ngannou to hit him. And then as the fight went on, Ngannou made appropriate adjustments, was hitting the body better, tracking him down with shots that are, he didn't need to be as accurate with. To to like he, he he stopped trying to knock him out. It felt like, and then just got a nice takedown in the third round. Stayed on for a little while. It seemed like Ngannou definitely you could see his inexperience with staying on top of someone, but his takedowns them, themselves looked pretty nice. Uh, Gan was doing all right to defend them, but it, he didn't defend many. Uh, and it's imagine trying to get Francis Ngannou to stop taking you down. That sounds so difficult. And and then in the fifth round, Gan was like, "Yeah, I have an idea. I'll heel hook him." And then the heel hook did not work, and he may have lost the fight because he went for the heel hook. Uh, Ngannou also kind of was on his way to sweeping him, but Gan could have done more to try and maintain top position after getting a takedown in the fifth. It seemed to be 2-2 going into the fifth for most people, but uh, I've seen some people scoring it for Gan. I disagree with that. I thought it was pretty clear for Ngannou. felt like Ngannou did more damage, and even though he gassed late, he also wore Gan out because Gan couldn't maintain the pace that he was staying at to try and tire Ngannou. What do you what do you think? I mean, yeah, definitely did seem that Cyril Gan probably could have just chilled on top for the rest of that fifth round. Um and even at the point that uh Francis Ngannou had regained top position, he was just so tunnel visioned on finishing a heel hook that it definitely seemed like he didn't really understand the mechanics of finishing correctly and he was so focused on finishing it that it didn't even occur to him to use it to get a sweep to get back on top and try and score some some damage from top position and seal the fight and it really really could have been enough and uh, definitely showed uh yeah just uh, the guy only has 10 professional fights and had never been put on his back in the UFC uh, and particularly with with like an athlete the caliber of Garn, you have to wonder who's able to to really push him in the gym in in these kind of situations. So it's it's to, it's to be expected. I did think that Cyril Garn did a decent job early, 
Um, this was a breakout moving sideways performance for him, I thought. Uh, a lot of people were calling out his tendencies to just move straight backwards and turn his back and run along the cage. And this being an absolutely horrible idea against Francis Ngannou. But uh, he, he was using a lot of lateral movement and whenever he did get put up against the cage would try and enter the clinch or try and get a takedown against Ngannou, uh, which even if he wasn't able to complete the takedown, he was um, just in, in a position where he was less likely to get knocked out. He didn't really get punished too much for his really exaggerated head movement. But then I do have to wonder how much of this performance from Francis Ngannou was just his knees being spaghetti. Uh, what, what do you think about that? I think that his knees being a little fucked up has so much to do with him having troubles tracking Gone down because Nganu's never been great at tracking people down whenever they're very agile and move quick. But normally he does a little bit more than dash in a straight line and his difficulty moving sideways could have been to do with that. Also explains him not going for the low kick as much as you'd expect him to in the matchup. Uh, of course, he's been training with Kamaru Usman, who also has no knees and can wrestle. So you got to wonder, did his knees get fucked up because he was wrestling or did he wrestle because his knees were fucked up? That's a, a big question to ask. And I think that Nganu's power was not translating as well as it normally does due to not being able to be that well positioned in his stance to actually land with power that combined with Gan's game plan, I feel like just made it a very hard fight for Nganu. And even though he has less time in five round fights in theory than Gan, he has uh, a lot better experience than Gan in title fights. He fought Stephen Miocic in uh, five rounds and got his ass whooped. Gan's never like gotten his ass whooped in an MMA fight. Like I'm sure he's had rough days in the gym at some point, but you really got it. You see the experience in in Ganu in the way that he was navigating the later rounds compared to Gan, who seemed to just kind of not know what to do. Yeah, in that way, it really was almost reminiscent of Francis Ngannou's first fight with Stipe Miocic. Yeah, it was straight up just experience and wrestling won the day, which uh, I don't think was a thing that many people were calling out before the fight. Although there was a Discord patron who called the fight exactly. Wrestle Clinic by Nganu. I feel like Gan, his striking looked worse than normal for pretty obvious reasons. The wrestling threat after a certain point and actually having to deal with someone that he has to keep off of him. Because Volkov isn't the type of guy that's going to walk at you without anything to, to get him to walk at you. Like he He's not an aggressive pressure fighter, whereas Ngannou is more likely to just stay in your face throughout the fight. And he was, he was keeping a close distance with Gan. did some, <laughs> Francis Ngannou did some weird teeps to the knee and uh, he cross-checked a kick at one point. That was neat. So tactically the fight had a few cool things from Ngannou. You can definitely see that it was a decently high level matchup, but the game planning from Gon left quite a lot to be desired, and he seemed to not know what to do with an opponent that wasn't just walking into counters constantly. A big part of the narrative of this whole fight that we haven't really talked about was um, Francis Ngannou's ongoing contract disputes with the UFC. And part of me almost wants to believe that he was just like, you know, this is the last fight on my contract. I'm going to stay champion 
And it's going to be boring and weird. Fuck you, Dana White. And clearly made Dana White incredibly mad because I don't know if you saw, but he didn't, uh, wasn't there to put the belt on Francis and didn't attend the UFC conference. So I can only imagine that he was absolutely seething with rage, getting redder by the second, which, which I enjoy. Yeah, a lot of fights on that night were not what Dana preferred to happen. The co-main in particular as well. Yeah, which uh, we'll get to now. So, um, I guess we were wrong. I guess Figgy just had a bad weight cut in the second fight. This time he had a good weight cut and he was fine. What do you think? (laughs) I I, I think that uh, Figueredo's strategy of leg kick and wrestle was was uh, kind of genius by Henry Cejudo. Yeah, I mean, you called this out last week. You, you, you were like, he's been training with Henry Cejudo. Henry Cejudo tells everyone to low kick and wrestle because he was like, well, Marlon Marais kicked the shit out of my legs and that fucking hurt. And wrestling's overpowered. So everyone should just low kick and wrestle. And um, kind of worked. Yeah, even though the the wrestling itself wasn't really like winning rounds for him, it was definitely putting Moreno off and giving him more to think about. And then the low kicks, kind of the same. He was doing good attrition with the low kicks, of course, but he wasn't sealing rounds by low kicking him up. Uh, there was actually a part in the first round where he kind of gets hurt by Moreno because he lands a low kick and then Moreno drops onto him with his right hand, which was pretty cool. And it's, it, I, I think the fight was pretty close even though i scored it for figueredo i felt like figueredo won rounds one three and five i believe it was you could argue other rounds for either guy but i feel like figueredo also won the narrative of the fight he hurt him very well uh what what about you how do you think about the fight um yeah i tend to agree um the the low kicks definitely seemed to force Moreno into some messier exchanges against Figueredo where he was able to get some better counters off and yeah, really, really sealed the the big moments of the fight, even though the fight overall was pretty damn close throughout. But it was just the fact that yeah, Figueredo got multiple knockdowns and uh, the optics of the low kick seemed to be really working for him, even though Moreno was actually doing a decent job of mitigating damage from a lot of them, a lot, a lot of just like pulling his leg back, um, just lifting it up so that he, he, even if he was eating them, he he wasn't like he wasn't like planted on the foot and really absorbing like significant impact from them. Um, I did have to wonder if it was something of a return to form from Brandon Moreno who. Uh, at some point, really, just seemed to want to want to brawl with Figueroa and started pulling out some some slightly weird shot selection. But I, I, th- I think he made a good account of himself. And you know, if you're being generous, you can probably find a card for him where he wins three rounds of this fight. Moreno is a good tactician. He's he's not much of a strategist, and it's kind of the same for Figueroa. I feel like it helped Figueredo just having a, a controlled thing that he was set to do in the fight. He's like, I'm going to throw more low kicks and I'm going to enter with body locks as well because they work on me. So they'll, they'll work to at least diminish my opponent's ability to land punches on me. Moreno did good punching on the break in certain points of the fight. He was generally winning the minutes even though uh, Figueredo would get like really good moments. And I feel like even though Moreno f- arguably fought kind of dumb i 
I don't know why people expected him to just have like a genius like 5D thinking game plan. He he he's a a very solid tactician. He, he caught onto the left high kick later in the fight which would have been doing a lot of work for him if he had been going to it early because it it would have nullified the low kick a little bit. You can't kick a, a leg that's kicking you in the face and it would also would have kept his ar- right arm pinned. It just a lot of things that Reno could have done over over the course of the fight that he caught kind of caught on to in moments. He had a weird thing where his response to the low kick was to withdraw his lead leg and then try and punch while he's still on one leg and like you'd fall forward into it. Which was just a little weird. He had some parts that uh not not inexperienced, just like not a lot of depth at fighting certain matchups. And I felt like Figueredo mostly just did the the Cejudo game plan, low kick and wrestle. And then in between that, he would do his own game where he finds nice counters, big power shots. Okay, so moving on. Andre Fialio in his UFC debut took on Michelle Pereira short notice. And um, you said that Andre Fialio hates straight punches and eats all of them. And Michelle Pereira, straight punches are one of the things that he does with any kind of consistency. And that happened. Yeah. Yeah, he, he punched him with straight punches. He got pressured by his back foot of the fence for a large majority of the fight. He did good attrition to Fialho, uh, which I wasn't really... I mean, I, it's a thing that he does, but I wasn't expecting it to really matter. I thought he was just going to knock the guy out. But yeah, it was a kind of smart fight by Michelle, even though it was, was kind of like, of course, you should win this matchup. So other guy did pretty well. He was he was pressuring pretty good on Pereira. He got him to the fence the entire fight. He just didn't do anything with it most of, most of the time. Yeah, it seemed like Andre Fialgo was like just good and just athletic enough to make Michelle Pereira like try, try and just like fight good. Like he didn't he didn't do any flips. Uh, he didn't do any like stupid cross-steppy footwork when he was trying to get away, which almost certainly would have got him knocked out. Um, he did jump off the cage, though, with Superman punch. Used that a few times to alleviate pressure. Yeah, I think he might have done like a front flip axe kick at one point. I mean, but just... I just... I, I, I don't know why he's so obsessed with like trying to become like, like, like an actual process-driven fighter who does things. Everybody knows that he's just the guy who who you want to just see have the dumbest meme fights and just just splurge all of his athleticism in explosions of pure dumb fuckery. Just like like I, I just he didn't do nearly enough flips for my liking. He instead of doing the flips had to put on a fucking masterclass. I, I can't take him seriously as a real fighter. So just 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 do just. Just do the flips. Do at least one. Come on. Okay, so moving on. Saeed Megamadov versus Cody Stamen. And uh, I worried after we recorded last week's episode that I may have somewhat undersold Cody Stamen because he really is just very competent everywhere. And generally, the people who have been able to beat him are very elite in at least one area. And I was just like, Saeed Megamadov, he's kind of like not that deep of a striker. Uh, and he just taps Stamen in like 50 seconds. This is pretty cool. 
Yeah, he did a spinning back fist and then a spinning sidekick to the body, and both landed pretty all right. And then Stamen was like, "Oh, I'll, I'll fucking wrestle this guy." And then in transition, he like snuck in a nice ninja choke, which my favorite submission is pretty badass. Instead of the normal guillotine grip where it's under the arm, you you like just do a full rear naked choke grip from behind them and above them. It's really cool. And when you're deep in it, it you're kind of dead to rights. So that's kind of why I think Stamen tapped so quickly. He was like, oh, I'm fucked. Cool. Tap. Yeah, Stamen actually was like the most committed to pressure we've ever seen him. Um, went for a takedown up against the cage and Saeed like kind of tripped him. Cody Stamen went to reshoot off of his knees and Saeed just scooped the neck up straight away. Rolled over to mount. It was very nice. Not a lot to say about it. It was a one-minute submission. I feel like it showed that Saeed is definitely pretty good at beating someone up if they really make him. Like he's not just gonna get blown out of the water if if you really go at him. He'll he'll fuck you up if you if you like stay too close. Yeah, I mean we definitely saw that when uh, Mark Striegel t- tried to pressure him and Saeed knocked him out with a check hook where he was leaning back with his lead foot off of the ground and his arm completely straight. So guys, clearly athletic as shit. Because, you know, that's how you land a check hook. Uh, Trevin Giles won most of a round and then got knocked out. It was kind of silly. What Did you have anything to say about this? Uh, I thought it was hilarious. I, I really enjoyed it quite a lot, even though it was not very interesting. It was just funny. He he got knocked out in a silly way. His head got launched so far. You can tell that Morales, like, really hits hard. He's got to punch his build. Weird long arms and big fists. Um, I really don't have a tremendous amount to to say about Michael Morales, but it seems like he'll be a fun banger. He's very young. Yeah, well to wait. Desperately needs new blood. He, he should be fun while he lasts. And now moving on, the real highlight of the night for me, Victor Henry defeats Hanny Barcelos by decision. Uh, a fight where I was really high on Victor Henry. If, if you listened to our breakdown of this fight last week, and I heard a lot of people who were really, really just undercutting him in this matchup, really thought he was just going to be a layup for Hanny Barcelos, and had me thinking, well, is, I'm, I'm, am I seeing something that's, that's not there in this guy? And he put on, a, I, I thought, an absolutely fantastic performance. What, what did you think about this one, Christian? I thought it was a great fight. I thought it was generally competitive, even though it's... Like I, I don't think it's possible to score the fight for Barcelos, but it was competitive throughout. Uh, each had their moments. Victor Henry put on so much volume. I believe it was like th- over 300 attempted strikes by the en- end of the third round. And Barcelos was keeping up with the pace. He was being forced to throw back a lot because he kind of noticed that he was just getting paralyzed by feints. Which, you know, got to give credit to. Josh Barnett in the corner, he was given pretty great advice throughout the fight. Mostly just things like, hustle, hustle! Which, I mean, his, his fighter was hustling, so it seemed like it was working. He got him to throw a, a ridiculous amount of strikes. He was kicking off punches really well. Laid a lot of good attrition to Barcelos. Read his head movement a good deal of the time. Was keeping himself defensively safe. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I also don't want to undersell Hanny Barcelos in this fight. I thought he did a great job. I, the fight was very competitive throughout. Something that I maybe criticized Barcelos for a little last week 
was that he'll often focus too much on his defense and just won't throw back enough, won't counter off of his defense enough, and it just gets him behind in exchanges. Like, I do think he won the Timor Valiev fight, but there's a reason that the judges gave it to Valiev. Um, but I thought he did a much better job of that in, in this fight of, of countering off of his defense early. But it was just the fact that Victor Henry forced him to throw back at a pace that he just couldn't sustain, particularly since... Uh, there's been a lot of Jose Aldo comparisons floating around with Hanny Barcelos, and I think something that he kind of does have in common is that when he sits down and decides to throw back, he puts fucking everything into it, throws throws with huge power, and Victor Henry was more satisfied with just constantly touching Hanny Barcelos and um, did good work in the clinch of, of just just punch, punch and clutching and nullifying the offense that Barcelos was trying to get off back. So yeah, great fight, great breakout performance for Victor Henry. He's a guy who's coming into the UFC later in his career. So this is a great first fight for him. I think you could just straight away start throwing him in with with the, the Cody Stamens of the division. Next up, another prospect we were pretty hype on from the Contender Series. Jack Della Maddalena was supposed to be fighting Wally Alves on this card, who for all his issues is, I, th- I think, a very good test for a promising debuting prospect in the UFC. And I th- thought it just would have been a great showcase for Della Maddalena. Instead, he fought Pete Rodriguez, uh, a 4-0 fighter on short notice, and just, just kind of tooled him. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I think Madalena has a vendetta against other people's noses because he fucked this guy's nose up and then just killed him the second that his opponent uh, started moving backwards too much. He he smells weakness very well, despite his nose being shattered. Yeah, I think Pete Rodriguez kind of did okay for as long as this fight lasted for how just clearly outmatched he was. Did a decent job of hitting the body, maybe exposed some weakness in, in that area of Della Madalena's defense. This guy focuses a lot on his head movement. That could be an issue for him in the future. But um was also just a great, great showcase for what De La Madalena is really good at. Just not the guy out with, with a picture-perfect left strike. And it's also hard to gauge whether or not him getting hit to the body so much was him just being like, yeah, I'm going to knock this guy out. Who cares? May well have been the case. Tony Crafty defeated Simon Oliveira by a unanimous decision. Do you have anything to say about this? Uh, I hope Oliveira never goes for another guillotine in his life. And so moving on, we have Matt Frivola versus Gennaro Valdez. And just what every card needs, at, at least one piece of just absolute dog shit officiating. Um, Matt Frivola knocked Gennaro Valdez down five times in just over three minutes was absolutely beating the shit out of him on the ground in between the knockdowns. Seemed that Gennaro Valdez was keeping himself just enough in the fight for Mike Beltron to keep just letting him get his ass whooped. Uh, do you have anything to say about this one? Not really. The Valdez was doing pretty all right about defending himself once he got dropped, but his actual defense outright is just bad. Like he was getting put on the fence a ton, of course, but I feel like he just he doesn't know how to evade punches. His I believe his fight on contender series was also him getting tuned up in the first round and coming back in the second. So it's it's just kind of a thing where if you're gonna get your ass whooped in the first round a lot, you're eventually just gonna get 
knocked out a bunch of times in one round off of the ref expecting you to be tough enough to just get through it. Yep. I mean, good showing from Matt Frivola. He's had some tough outs recently, lived up to his name, absolutely steamrolled this guy. Um, Silvana Gomez-Suarez knocked out Vanessa Demopoulos and then got armbarred, which was very silly. Yeah, that was neat. Okay, I think that's really all we have to say about this card. Okay, so as for any events coming up, there's not really any major MMA organizations uh, holding events this weekend, unless you count Eagle FC with the main event of Tyrone Spong versus Sergei Karatanov. Uh, but we're not going to talk about that. Instead, we're just going to talk about the top couple of fights on the One Championship card on Friday, featuring the semi-final matches for their featherweight kickboxing tournament. They call it featherweight because the weight classes in One Championship are all fucked up. It's 70 kilos, 154 pounds, essentially lightweight, which is historically just about the deepest division in kickboxing. And One Championship have a really fantastic roster, for their kickboxing and Muay Thai divisions. They're definitely a really good gateway for any MMA fan who wants to uh, get more into pure striking arts. So on one championship's uh, first strike event last October, they held their quarterfinal matches between eight of the top kickboxers in the world in their division, uh, which was also main evented by the super fight between Giorgio Petrosian, many people's pick for the greatest kickboxer of all time, and... Uh, Burkow protege Thai superstar Superbomb Banchimek, who knocked him out with a vicious head kick in the second round to become their inaugural champion. And um, the winner of this tournament will go on to fight Superbomb for the title. So the first of the matchups is a really fun style matchup between a late replacement Joe Natawa, smoking Joe Natawa, that is, filling in for Marat Gregorian, who was forced to pull out due to injury. And he's facing Chingiz Alazov, who absolutely obliterated Sami Sana in the first leg of the tournament. Caught him with a left high kick early and then just blasted him with body shots up against the cage. Chingiz Alazov is a very fun, like flashy switch hitter type. Uh, likes to fight off of both stances. Does a lot of flashy kicking off of punches and punching off of kicks. Whereas Joe Natua is really uh, what... What MMA commentators might describe as classic Muay Thai. Uh, it's mostly boxing combinations and low kicks, although he is very competent with teeps and round kicks to all levels off of both sides. So, uh, Christian, what do you think about this matchup? Uh, I think that Joan Atawat is like in the fight, but I think it, it leans towards Alizov. Just because uh, Joan Atawat seems a good bit slower... His kicking game is, is very nice, but I think that he's just going to be outspeeded for most of the fight. What about you? Yeah, I tend to agree, uh, particularly since something that plays a lot, I think, into all of these matchups is the fact that uh, they are held in one's gigantic circular cage, whereas these are fighters who have primarily fought their careers in, in a ring and tend to rely a lot on on the sharp angles of the corners to, to be able to pressure their opponents consistently. Chingiz Alazov, I agree, is uh, uh, very mobile, which I'd see being an issue for Joe Natua, but uh, definitely a fun style matchup where Joe Natua is, as you say, absolutely in the fight. Very tough and very capable of kicking with Alazov and just hits hard as fuck. And so in the main event, 
We have um, all-time great kickboxer at 70 kilos, Sitachai Sitsong Pinong, fighting um, in a rematch against David Kiria. These are guys fought two times in glory about six or seven years ago. And uh, Sitachai, uh, he really is a southpaw, southpaw. He's just um, has a very pared-down game, which he just applies with a tremendous amount of depth. He mostly wants to pressure behind uh, one-twos, left body kicks, and left knees. Uh, while he mostly lo- likes to move forward and push people into corners and trap them with his left straight and left high kick switch up, um, he is also very comfortable fighting in uh, neutral space exchanges or moving backwards. He, he He's very much an all-terrain fighter who can make his style work in a lot of different situations. He's also very good at uh, uh, playing on his opponent's sense of range, um, very good at countering kicks. He absolutely tooled Robin Van Roosmarlen for 10 rounds, mostly by just sticking him on the end of a long guard and baiting out kicks and then just blasting him with a left straight. Whenever Van Roosmarlen tried to kick him, um, he also knocked out champion in this division, Superbon Banchemek, in their first meeting by uh, pulling away from a right high kick and countering with a right hook. And although it was quite a while ago, I think he showed he pretty much just had David Kiria's number. Uh, David Kiria was just really uncomfortable with such a fast, dedicated southpaw kicker. Um, but David Kiria is a very interesting fighter and has definitely made a lot of improvements in the time. So, Christian, what do you think about David Kiria? I think he's a very fun power striker who likes to generally walk people down and then hit their body. He's got good kicks, primarily low kicks, keeps a tight high guard. He's, he's, he's very standard in that sense, but he, he's got a lot of uh, like neat tricks, does cool hand traps. Uh, he's pretty all right counterpuncher when people are start lashing out. He's very fun. Although I, I do think that I agree with you. He definitely is, is likely to lose, just statistically speaking. Yeah, statistically and just stylistically, it's a very difficult one for David Carrier. And yeah, another thing is that Sitachai has also shown to struggle running his pressure game in the circular cage. Um, in the quarterfinal match against Typhon Ozcan, he really just had to dedicate himself to constantly moving forward because he really wasn't able to use his footwork to to uh, trap Ozcan in position. But I also don't really expect David Kiria to try and play the outfighter in this matchup, so I have to wonder if that really plays into the dynamic in this matchup at all. There's also just the fact that Sitachai's, you know, significantly older now, but he hasn't really shown to have declined in any significant ways. It's still incredibly tough and durable. Although David Kiria is actually older than Sitachai, Sitachai's been fighting um, in the Thai stadium since he was, like, a teenager, and I think um, if anyone's made significant improvements over the time, I think it's David Kiria, whereas Sitachai is essentially v- very much just still the same guy, but has always been just a- an absolute phenomenon in kickboxing. So um, I think it's very likely that we're looking at Sitachai versus Chingiz Alazov in the finals match. Should be a great fight. And I'd, I mean, of course, Sitachai has fought Superbon three times before. But it's a great matchup. I don't think anyone would be complaining about seeing a fourth fight. And if Chingiz Alazov can pull it off, then yeah, him versus Superbon is also a fantastic title fight. Okay, well, I think that's all we wanted to cover for today. 
Uh, as always, if you enjoy this content and the other fantastic content that the Fight Site puts out, please consider supporting the Fight Site on Patreon. Just a small pledge grants you access to a huge library of really high-quality analytical content, as well as access to a Discord server where we have a great community of educated, like-minded fight fans from all walks of life. Really cool and interesting and fun to watch fights with. Also, if you want to help us out without paying any money, then leaving a good review on your preferred podcast platform really helps out the podcasts on the Fight Site Network to get some visibility on the platforms. So yeah, that's us done for this week. Peace out. Peace out.